Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's one big brand, of course, that, and I'll, can I mention their name on this, on this? Yeah, we haven't got the jingle when you say it, but go on. No, I know. My Darth, I need my Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> you don't know the power of the dark side. Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast, hosted by me, Josh Gerstler, a chartered financial planner and owner of The Orchard Practice, and co-hosted by Mark Schothman, a personal finance journalist. We're here to simplify all things personal finance and money related, in the hope that you'll be able to learn one small thing each episode which helps improve your life, and have some fun whilst you listen to us. Hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. This episode is with fellow financial advisor Nick Lincoln. I've got to know Nick recently as he is local to me and he's a really nice guy. He can be very opinionated, which I think you'll enjoy and hear during the podcast. Just to let you know what I've been up to, I went to my first boxing match or fight on Saturday night. It was Anthony Joshua in his comeback match at the O2. Um, don't know whether it was a good fight or not. I didn't find it the most exciting fight, but I did enjoy the experience, the whole uh, show, the bravado they put on. So I'd recommend that if if anyone else hasn't been to a fight before. We are also just about at the tax year end. Um, So there's the usual rush of last minute ISA and pension top-ups from those that haven't got them in earlier in the year. So I'm sure my team are looking forward to that finishing in the next few days. If you are listening to this and you have not yet left us a review, please do so. It lets us know you are enjoying what you hear and gives us the motivation to carry on putting content out there for you. So in for a penny listeners, I give you the latest episode with Nick Lincoln, why you might need a financial advisor. Hello, Joshua. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Good. So we've got a special podcast today. Um, we're joined by, well, it's nice to have a, obviously I talked to you, you're kind of one of the, um, one of my best financial planner friends, but it's good to have another, and some would say better or more experienced financial planner. Yeah, on both. Some would say both. both. Yeah. In the form of Nick Lincoln. of um, Older. Older. Of um, Values Division Financial Planning. Is that the proper name? Yeah, well done, Mark. Some people completely hashed, not my name so much, but the Values to Vision Financial Planning, which sounded like a great name when I started in 2008, but actually it is a bit of a mouthful. That's fine. So um, I remember writing, I in my younger days as a trade journalist, I often used to speak to Nick, maybe when he had a bit more hair as well. Um, <laughs> Are you in, starting with him already? Yeah, you're, sorry. You're one minute <laughs> in and you're starting. Uh, um, I don't miss it. I don't, actually, it's a, it's a blessing. I'm, I'm not saying that to make my feel better it's an absolute blessing it's gone hair today gone tomorrow mark it might it might well come to actually you've got quite a good hairline well no at the top, my wife and even my hairdresser's been telling me recently that i'm thinning right at the top and he's been telling me to go to turkey for hair transplants they are a turkey oh, that's all the rage isn't it that's what yeah i've got a friend of mine who thinks he's going bald although he isn't and he's he's going to turkey to get this plug thing or something it's like yeah uh, and uh, what was he getting plugged in turkey it's, it's, the, it's the crown of his head. They they do they obviously thatch it in. I don't. I mean, a bit. Hopefully not like an Elton John of sort of thirty years ago. It's not that obvious, but uh, yeah, lovely. I feel like we should just do a podcast on on hairdressing and then um, going bald. How much you could save? I'll sit quietly. Yeah. Or should what should we talk? Or should, maybe we'll talk about something else. What are we talking about? 
Tell us about your 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 house your house um, improvements, Josh. How's it going? We're pretty much there. The builder is actually popping in. We're 99.5% there. So he's popping in on Sunday to talk about the last bits and to ask for his last bit of money. So um, hopefully we can uh, agree that and get the last bits done. But no, it's looking good. We're really, uh, really happy with it. Exciting. It's a, it's a, yeah, it'd be brilliant. Yeah, lovely. Good. Yeah, so, what are we talking about anyway? Enough, enough chit-chat. Yeah, so I think the plan today was to have a nice chat about why you need or why you might need a financial advisor. And I think, Mark, are you going to sort of pick our brains as we've got one good and one average financial advisor here today, <laughs> to, to uh, Nick being the good one, um, oh. to sort of uh, dig into that a bit? Okay, so let me come at this as a um, personal finance journalist and often a cynical person. Um, because nowadays you've got access to plenty of information online um, about uh, how your finances work, how to set up a pension, how to build an investment ISA. Uh, you can do your own research on stocks and funds, and uh, you can use DIY investment platforms. Why? So why do you need an advisor these days when you may have to pay a fee, which could be higher than, than, than doing it yourself? Let's start with that. Okay, shall I run with that first, Josh? Go for it, Nick. Okay, I'm, I'm really glad you landed on that on the opening point, Mark, because I had done some prep for this, believe it or not. And the first story? thing, the first thing in my um, my prep was, uh, and this is a quote from the guy Nick Nick Murray. For 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 those that don't know, Nick Murray is like a coach to to advisors, a US guy, been been just just a, a, a marvelous force for good on this side of the Atlantic and over, over there. And I think Christ, I think it was back in the 1990s, maybe 1999. He he was talking about the internet, how it was booming then. But back in those days, and you might not remember this as you two are so young, but you had these modems and you dialed up everything. You know, it was it was just very old fashioned. And, and Nick yeah. Murray said, "Okay, we've got the internet now, and there's information everywhere. But on every modem, there should be a little post-it note saying wisdom sold separately.'" And that is the most fantastic way of encapsulating what I'm about to talk about. And it still rings true today, even more so today, Mark, because, yeah, compared to 1999, there is now vastly more information out there, loads of information. And that's great. And people can go and work out if they really had to tax relief and how that works and pension annual allowances, the lifetime allowance. It's all there if you want to read it and get immersed in it. But wisdom, how to use that data, how to use that information is sold separately because human beings are fatally flawed. All these things we talk about rely upon investments, whether you're talking about a pension wrapper or an ISA wrapper or a general investment account. They're wrappers, and into those wrappers, you are going to put your hard-earned lucre. And you're going to look at that, and when the markets have their very, very standard, very expected temporary declines, the human condition is to flee it's like get me the hell out of here i can't take it and that's why people need to pay for a financial advisor because we stand between we stand between the average joe who's brilliant at his or her job but knows nothing about the markets doesn't really want to know all they know is they see robert peston on whatever channel he's being paid to to shill for screaming that this is the end of times and these human beings flee and they cash out and that's what our role is and if we charge whatever we charge half percent one percent a year our proposition is we are going to save you, Mr. and Mrs. Client, a multiple of that, an order of magnitude of that fee to stop you making the big mistake from selling at the bottom, waiting as the market goes up, having an enormous tack of FOMO, fear of missing out, going in somewhere near the peak, 
watching it go down again and repeating until you're broke. And we stand between you and stupid, between you and the big mistake. And that's why people need a financial advisor. It's for the behavioral stuff. It's not for the information stuff. That's why I think qualifications are sometimes a little bit overrated. You can have every qualification in the sun. It just means you consumed the internet. You you consumed a study book. Great. Joe Public can do that if they want to. Our value, where where we add value is it, to, to to other human beings, is in the behavioural stuff and and standing as like a consigliere on someone's shoulder, a financial counsel to say, don't do that, don't go into crypto, unless you've got money you can afford to wash away. Don't go into non fungible tokens unless you've got money you can afford to wash away. Avoid gold unless you really want to wait eighty years to see it perhaps keep pace with inflation. All these things that are the the current hot investment du jour, we stand between the clients saying, just don't do that. Stick with the plan. Stick with what's always worked. Right. That was a very long answer, Mark, to your very casual uh, first uh, right, My, my question was very long as well. Um, why, where do financial advisors get their wisdom from and why can a member of the public get the same wisdom? I think because you have to be immersed in it and it takes time. I had to, I had to learn all the nuts and bolts stuff, all the, all the, all, all the regulatory stuff and the tax legislation stuff and the end and how to access your pensions and the inheritance. I had to learn all that knowledge. So Joe Public, first of all, has got to have the time to do that. They can do it. The information is there, but it takes an awful lot of time. And then you've got to unlearn it because then you realize, actually, that's not really that important. The, 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 the product side and the tax side, uh, I use this analogy a lot. You might think it's weak. I like it. The, the the knowledge stuff is it's like brake pads, right? Brake pads are essential. If you don't have brake pads, you're in trouble. But brake pads are essential and boring. Some things in life are essential and boring. That product stuff is boring. The, the behavioral stuff that you subsequently learn when you unlearn all of the knowledge stuff, because you kind of just park that and think, okay, that's actually not important. The behavioral stuff is really hard and takes continual learning. And I don't think Joe Public gets it. And also the culture doesn't tell them about it. When was the last time... You know, the, the the news, the FTSE went through 8,000 briefly a couple of months ago. Record peak. And it was tumbleweed, effectively, in terms of news coverage. The culture screams danger and bad news. You know, it, we know this, Mark. If it bleeds, it leads, okay? Mm-hmm. The plane that lands at Heathrow safely every two minutes is not news. The one that just falls short of the runway, it's the end of times. And the public get bombarded with this all the time. And they haven't got the bandwidth to take on the fact that this has never been a the best time to ever be alive is right now. Despite what's going on in the world and all the travails, this is the best time to be alive. But if you read the newspapers or you know the, the, the pit of doom known as The Guardian, it's just relentless negativity. And, and, and our, the behavioral investment counselors immerse themselves in a view of positivity about the world. But it's very hard to find. I, just don't, I don't think most people have the, have the energy or the capability to do it. They're running their own lives. They're running their businesses. They're they're, they're they're dropping the kids off at school. You know they're in the they're in the rat rat race. Whatever they just haven't got the bandwidth. It's easy to when you hear these things. When Nick talks about, it, when I talk about, it, anyone talks about the sensible things to do in that moment, it's easy to think, oh yeah, that you know that's not a problem. But in reality, when things happen in someone's life, they don't think rationally. That includes us as humans. We don't think rationally, and you just need someone there to tell you, right? Hang on a minute. Take a step back. We're not emotionally involved in that. We are emotionally involved with our clients and their friends, but we're not emotionally involved with that decision. We can step back and say, no, this is the sensible thing to do. Um, I just want to 
step in and stick up with a guardian on the off chance that they ever want to commission me to do anything. Um, <laughs> they won't, Mark. Don't worry. Yeah, so, won't. Sorry, Mark, you see your career prospects because yeah. going down the plug card is Lincoln. All right, their brains are really low anyway. Um, wouldn't newspapers argue that they're not, they're just reflecting what the public is worried about? And in that case, shouldn't advisors be making a better effort to put their message across? Because if... I mean, well, we I do. That's, that's what true. you know. That's that's what we talk about when we have podcasts. That's what we talk about. We have conferences. That's what we talk about with our clients. But we're not. You know, we don't write the newspapers. I mean, I, I, I'm not. I'm not having a go at you here, Mark. But I am very. I'm. I am. I, I am very, very down on the financial services, the broadsheet and the and the tabloid financial services sections. They are not. You know. You know the game. They are there to sell advertising copy. That's all that the money sections are. I call them the comics. They're the funnies. You. Do, they have a rotating carousel of stories. It'll be buy now tech next month sell tech buy gold next month sell gold buy NFT and it's this carousel of these little bits of rubbish copy surrounded by great big banners for active fund managers. There's no value in the money sections. And I, I tell prospects when they're on board with me, you're by all means read the, the stuff in the Sunday money supplements. But if you pick up the phone on Monday, wanting to talk to me about an ask Linda, I will hang up on you. Now I say it kind of in jest, but my, my role is primarily to stand between the clients and them ingesting this, this, this awful retinue of rubbish. And it is rubbish. It's, and it's, it's, I don't think people are necessarily looking at the money pages for, well, they shouldn't be looking at the money pages for investing advice or tips, aren't they? Just looking. No, people do. People think that time, people think that the stuff in the newspapers that uh, the people on social media are giving advice. Um, and let's let's not get bogged down in that today. But um, Nick is spot on. We're here to make sure people don't follow the wrong information and the and the wrong advice. Yeah. I get, I'll give you another example, Mark, about, about that. I've been speaking to clients over the last few weeks about using their ISA and pension allowances before the end of the tax year. So we try and do it early. It just happens the last few we've been speaking to. And um, some people's portfolios are down compared to last year. And they're saying, well, I don't want to put money in because it's not done so well this year. It was good to put in last year because it was doing really well, but now I'm not so sure. Nick's sort of smiling there because Nick knows that when things are down, when there is a temporary decline, that is the time you buy because things are cheap. The market is on sale. And and if you are average Joe, as, as, as you say, um, you don't necessarily think that. The logic isn't there to take a step back and realize that. Again, you listen to this now and you think, yeah, that makes sense. But in the moment, it's not always there. Yeah. Okay, I just want to do one more um Positive point for the money pages. I write for them regularly, but just say obviously there are interesting human stories that come in there. They do raise, I don't know, there's a campaigning element in certain publications that I think is important. But we don't want to focus on that anyway. So let's talk about why you need a financial advisor. I mean, I just want to pick up on something Nick said earlier about, I know, I, I know you're not saying this, but saying that people are doing stupid things. And I just want to check, we're not saying people are stupid if they're not using an advisor or if they're using a DIY investment platform, or are you saying that? I'm saying people who are unadvised have a bigger propensity to do stupid things. It doesn't necessarily mean there's... I've spent most of my life, Mark, doing pretty stupid things, and somehow I've managed to get to where I am. I'm not saying people are stupid, but the evidence is in, and uh, if, if you look at 
um, Vanguard have done studies on this. They call it Advisor Alpha. The, 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 the value of behavioral investment advisor ads is significantly above their fee because it helps people stay invested and stick to the plan. The plan is primary, right? Any Most people won't have a financial plan if they don't have a financial advisor crafting the plan and feeding the plan back to them and adapting the plan to legislation. And, and in, in addition to the client's changing circumstances and life goals. And if you don't have a plan, you're like a ship at sea, right? And you're just, and, and the waves, you're just being buffeted. You're being buffeted by these storms one way and the other. And the financial plan is just, okay, we're going to drop anchor here. And we're going to ride through this. And everything is driven by the plan. The plan determines the portfolio. I don't do any investment work for anybody without a plan in place for those people. The plan determines the portfolio. And if you have a plan, you're anchored. And most people without financial advisor won't have a plan. It doesn't make them stupid. It just makes them susceptible to the vicissitudes of their, their own psychology. And then, you know, human nature is a failed investor. We flee danger. Josh mentioned it, you know, it, it, it's funny and it's also sad that people won't top up their ISAs and pensions maybe this year because the markets are down. Any other walk of life, and you say to people that your Arsenal season ticket is on a 20% discount, they'd be running Absolutely. to the Emirates, right? They'd be running to the Emirates to buy it. But with with the great companies of the world, with the stock market, it's Jesus. Let's wait till that gets more expensive, and then we'll bail in because that makes me feel better. And 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 what we do as behavioural investment counsellors is is a combination of managing human emotions, but being ruthlessly logical and saying you had a plan. The plan hasn't changed, so why are you changing your investment philosophy? If the plan changes, sure, we'll make some adjustments. But if the plan, you know, you want to be financially independent at X age. That's your primary goal. That goal hasn't changed. We agreed to get there. You needed to fund your plan with these investments every year by this amount. Keep on doing it. And people, I just don't think people will do that on their own. And the evidence is pretty compelling. They don't do it on their own. And in fact, they do worse than they blow themselves up because they react to whatever you know the catastrophe, catastrophe of catastrophes is of that day. And Mark, just to add to that, um, I think your if if I'm hearing your question correct, is can a robo computer invest your money like an advisor the answer to that is yes a a computer could end up putting you in the same funds that the advisor is putting you in so from that point of view that's fine and that's actually the easiest bit of what we do is is picking the investments that's the easiest bit but the bit you don't get from the computers is that personal element the bit that says hang on a minute actually don't put money in your pension because i know you are putting a new kitchen in next year and you're going to need the money for that. Or the bit that says, don't put that in a junior ISA because you can't get that till the kids are 18. And I know you need the money to pay for their school fees or whatever it may be. So so the investment bit, yeah, that's commoditized. Anyone can do that with a computer. What you don't get is that added layer, that personal advice. But won't some people just argue that they can research that themselves? Yeah, you're going back to the question at the beginning. You know, it's sort of, uh, it's these standing between people stopping them doing silly things so yeah of course they can do it themselves will they do it as well the um data tells you no but that doesn't mean that's every single person and some people will do absolutely fine majority of people need that advice does that come across as arrogant though because our advisor saying oh we know better and then may well be a reason that you do we do we do know better that, that doesn't mean we're more intelligent. That doesn't mean we are um, cleverer than people, but we know our world, our job better than someone not in it. 
fundamentally, the markets, of the, the, the great great companies of the world, the stock markets of the world, rise about three quarters of the time and fall the other quarter. That's our story. Okay, so stay invested. But when you're living in a world where everything screams at you not to do that, it's very hard. It's not people are paying for our. That's our value add. That's what people are paying for. That, if, arrogance. No, the arrogance is in the eye of the, behold, uh, the purchaser. If, if it sounds arrogant, I mean, I'm very proud of what we do because I think we add an enormous value over and above our fees, and we do it in a way that no other profession can do it. And we have influence over people's lives. You know, an accountant will know the client's tax return, and if it's a company accountant, he'll know the company's balance sheet and profit and loss, and the and the lawyer will know the will and the provision of the will, and you know what the estate plans are. We sit. It's like a sort of Venn diagram. We we overlap all of those areas. We know what the client's income is. We, we probably have a good feel for the company bank uh, balance sheet. We know the client's estate planning. But most importantly, we know the dreams and aspirations, what that money means. And we're so fortunate. It's such a position of influence. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't say we're arrogant. I think every profession, if you're not adding value, if you don't believe in yourself, then go and go and flip burgers at McDonald's or something. Uh, okay. What about um, fees? I mean, does it help that? There can just be quite a big, large range of fees between different advisory practice and firms, and then you've got different brands and some that have kind of negative connotations. Is, is there sort of a, that issue? It's complicated. It's, I'll talk to you. Sorry, Doc. It's just you butt in. Um, it's, it's, I, 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 I totally admit it's very difficult, I think. for When I use the word Joe Public, it's not in a derogatory sense. But everybody has their, you know, someone who's brilliant at doing what they do. We'll be doing stuff I cannot even comprehend because it's not in my sphere, right? It's not in my circle of competence. Um, but most people who are brilliant at doing what they're doing aren't that good at the financial side of things. And that's and that's where we come in. So when I use Joe Public, it's not a derogatory term. Um, it is very difficult for Joe Public, I think, to understand exactly the range of fees that are out there and what they're getting for it. And there's no good answer to that. The, the, I, the IFA side of our profession, and I'll come on to the, the, the bigger firms in a second, is a cottage industry, thousands and thousands of of IFAs, hundreds and hundreds of small firms, Josh's firm, my own firm. How on earth is Joe Public supposed to make head or tail of what, what's good value and what? And there is no real answer for it, I'm afraid. It's go with it. If you're a client, I would suggest you focus on a on, on an advisor who is about the outcomes, who doesn't put the money first or the products first, who says, this is what we will do for you. If you like this, this is what we charge. And I think for most people, they're just dying to find an advisor who, who who will answer the one key question, which everyone has, no matter how they emote it. The one key question is, are we going to be okay? And if you're an advisor that can build a practice around answering that for every client all of the time, most people will ensure, you know what, that's something I really value. But yeah, it's it's very difficult. It, it is very difficult. But then again, in a competitive market, you'd be concerned if everyone charged the same price. Um, because that would perhaps dictate that the market isn't as competitive as it could be. So there's no right or wrong answer. The bigger firms, there's one big brand, of course. That, and I'll, can I mention their name on this? On this? Yeah, we haven't got the jingle when you say it. But go on. No, I know my Darth. I need my Darth Vader. Um, <laughs> uh, hold on, I can, actually, I can do quite a good Darth. But, but you might need to edit this out. You don't know the power of the dark side. I'm not sure if you could hear that. Um, Very good. That was. Thank you. That's me speaking into a trap coffee cup. Um, yeah, so SJP, they are monolithic and massive and relatively expensive, but some people crave the safety you get from working with a big brand. You know, they might go to the orchard practice or to values division and think, well, you know, what's behind them? Some people want, want, want that bigger setup, but you pay, you pay accordingly. 
Yeah, but, but you know, I'd rather go to an SJP partner who did full fat financial planning, and a lot of them do, than go to a highly accredited, qualified up to his or her nipple IFA who doesn't do financial planning but focuses on the money and the products and the tech because those people are a waste of space and the internet will will replace them and not a day too soon. Mark, with the the fees question, I think our profession is more scrutinised than most in terms of fees. We, I think it's because you pay us money to look after your money. So people sort of see the money coming out of the money. It's a bit of a strange one. Yeah. Whereas in any other profession, accountants, solicitors, the fees are fees. You know, it's not really questioned or argued. And if Deloitte, PwC want to charge tens of thousands of millions of pounds, that's fine. If the guy on the high street wants to charge 50 quid, that's fine. We are we seem to be under the microscope more than others. But it's only because it's money or money. You know, people have to pay for journalism. People pay for news, the Times, the Guardian. I don't know which ones are charged, which ones are free, but it's no different. And why should – the question you could ask is why should you pay for the Times when you can get it for free online? And you'd probably say, or they would argue, because we provide quality service or whatever it may be, it's the same question with any walk of life about fees. But wouldn't people say we've advised to some people, and I don't think I'm saying this, but if I say I invest £30,000 and I pay, I don't know, 1%, and then I pay, and then I invest £100,000 and I'm still paying 1%, but then I'm paying you a higher rate, but you're still putting my money on the same platform, I'm still using the same technology, why, why am I paying more for the same service? Whereas if I'm buying the Times... The subscription is always the same, although it may go up occasionally. Well, you're not comparing. You're, you, that's not like for like comparison. No. So you're saying, if I think there's two separate questions. If I invest thirty thousand, should I pay the same fees as if I invest a hundred thousand? Yeah. I guess it depends what you're getting alongside that, because from a um, advice point of view, purely focusing on that little bit of investment. If it's going into exactly the same place, then that's it. You could, I would probably argue with you, you're correct. But there's usually more behind the scenes that go with that. Because as Nick said, the main thing that we do, that well, the main value is on the financial planning. So it's very unlikely that it's going to be exactly the same thing for a client with 30,000 and 100,000. And, and really, our clients are probably a bit further up the chain than that. You might argue 100,000 and a million. And the client with a million pounds is going to have probably far more com- complex questions than the client with £100,000. So we're probably going well, to have to do more work. I'm going to push back on you just a, a slightly there, Josh. Yeah, um, come on, please do. I, I, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a terrible tendency in our profession to overcomplicate things. And we talk about complicated clients. And actually, the, I think the vast majority of clients are well served with an ISA, a personal pension, and a GIA. I mean, there might be outliers who, have, who might be complicated. It's the clients aren't complicated. What we have are complicated advisors who want to complicate to justify their fees. If you're charging one percent or a hundred grand or one percent and a million, it's what are you paying that one percent for? You're paying it. Stop blowing yourself up. You're paying the advisor to step in and stop doing damage. And if I can stop doing damage on a million quid portfolio, it's going to save that family a heck of a lot more than it will do on the £100,000 portfolio. That's a simple way that I look at it, okay? If if it's about behavioural investing and counselling people, that percentage fee is is a premium they pay to protect their wealth. 
And obviously that fee is bigger if they've got more wealth. Having said that, my, my fee structure is capped. You know, so on an X amount, it's 1%. Above that, it's 0.25% on the balance. So I do recognize that I can't, I, I don't want to be charging 1% on you know, 100 million. If I have had a client who's worth 100 million, the same as Mrs. Miggins has got 100 grand, that would be difficult to bet. But the, the concept is you're paying for the behavioral investment advice. You're not paying for the platform. That's a giveaway. You're not paying for the rebalancing. That's a giveaway. You're not paying for superb service where every qu- query is dealt with within 24 hours. That's the, We give that away. You're paying for the behavioral investment counseling. And I think again, it's because it's money or money. You ask the question, Mark. When when uh, you go out for dinner, and you order a portion of chips or you order a steak, the service charge is ten percent. But all they've done is brought the plate over. Now, do you say to the waiter, "Well, hang on a minute, I'm not paying the ten percent on bringing the steak over," because you've done exactly the same job as when you brought my chips over? But because it's on money, you ask the question more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. What about let's I wanted to ask about um is there a minimum amount that you think someone needs? No. Is there a minimum amount that someone needs an advisor for? I think everyone can benefit from financial planning. But there are certain because as Nick said, to stop them making certain mistakes. But from a point of view of providing advice, there becomes a point where it's not profitable for us to do so. And also where there's not a huge amount of value you might be able to add. So if someone has got nothing, they're starting from scratch and they can afford to put £10 a month away. Could they value from a plan and would it be great to provide them with one? Yes. But the cost to us will be more, we would charge them more than the £10 a month they're putting away. Does that answer that question or not? I think so. So I think everyone could benefit. Yeah. But... It's not necessarily practical to provide the advice to everyone. Yeah, I, I, I again, I've got a slightly contrary view. Good, that's what I, we I, want. People disagreeing with Josh. Yeah, I, I think the vast majority of people haven't got a pot to piss in. And they know this intuitively, right? And they don't need a financial planner. They're going to work till they're 67, 68, 69, 70, whatever the state pension is, live for a few years and then die. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. People, people who haven't got money haven't got money, and we can't help them. And then he's well, aside from saying pay off debt, right? Pay off your credit cards and then chip away at the mortgage. If they do that, they'll have nothing left over. And there's, I don't think we should feel guilty about it. That's not our problem. The advice gap is overblown. I think for the people that have got money and maybe don't have the investable assets, uh, I just have as, as an advisor, I have a minimum fee. So you don't, you know, I've got a minimum fee, and as long as that's met, I don't care whether it comes from a one percent off their. ISA fund or via standing order. Um, you know, you don't have to have the, the, the money invested to, 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 to be a justifiable client, but don't don't swear that most people just aren't, you know, they're just not going to have the money. And, and that's always been the human condition. And I don't, we sort of wrap ourselves, you know, Vanguard tried to come into this space, didn't they really, and deal with tiny pots. Well, they didn't want tiny pots, but they ended up getting tiny pots. Um, and they left their, their, their light touch advisory, almost robo service, left the UK within two years, which is a massive vault face for a brand of the pedigree and size and almost bottomless pockets of Vanguard. So I think it's really, really hard to do a mass advice, light touch slash robo service and make money on it. If Vanguard can't do it, I don't know how anybody else does it. There's just not enough money. People just don't, a lot of people don't have, after they paid the mortgage and the taxes, they don't have enough of the of the stuff swirling around to put away for their future selves. They'll just work and work and work. And that's, again, that's not a judgment. I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. 
I, 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 w- I still think that those people would benefit from some financial advice and financial planning. And if you've got someone like that and you can show them that this is where you are, this is where you're going to be, these are some things you can do to help yourself. Yes, it's not what we do. You know, we answer expensive questions, not necessarily what we do. But I do think if there was more of that, if there was more education for these people, then maybe they wouldn't them? have that. What are you going to tell them? Well, I don't know what they're oh, saying. So you've, like. you've, you've, you've got 30 pounds left of disposable income in the month. Right, crack on. Well, it Make might be. Like- and I don't know because we're sort of talking hypothetically here, but you might sit down with one of these people and say, well, why are you spending £100 a month on your Sky subscription? You don't need that. So there might be little things you can do to help people. I'm sort of a bit maybe uh, evangelical and say it would be lovely if we could help everyone. But there are, there are also apps like Moneybox or free trade. Like I know on Moneybox you can put your spare change away when you send and start putting that into an ISA. I know it's small stuff. Or free trade, you can invest in shares or I think some funds for a pound. That kind of gets people started, doesn't it? Isn't, and I, I realise that's not advice. Well, I think the danger is doing that, like going back to right at the beginning, if you do that and don't necessarily know what you're doing, you might make the mistakes and put yourself in an even worse position. If only there were some money pages that people could read to, to get guidance <laughs> as well. Oh, and a late a late blow from Sean. Um, yeah, but again, you know these 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 services that will just automatically sort of salt money away for you, pence here and a pound there. That's all well and good, but the, the, if he or she's got a five thousand card credit bill, forty percent APR, that's where the money should be going. And you know, if people don't know that, I'm sorry. You know, we are sentient adults. We have some degree of autonomy and agency and self responsibility. If you don't know that chipping away at the credit card is the thing to do. You know, you probably struggle to use a knife and fork. Anything else you want to find out, Mark? Where would you go to find an advisor? Let's end with that, to find a decent advisor. I would suggest if you're not coming to Nick or I, then I'd always speak to the first point of call. I'd probably speak to a friend to ask for a recommendation, like a trusted friend to say, who's your advisor? And do you think I'm the right fit for them? Um, Because personal recommendations always the best way to go you could go online on one of these sort of um search engines but you're not really going to get a feel for them whereas if i ask you mark and you say right go and see so and so you've at least had some experience from them yeah i think that's that's a very good answer i just from from your peer group your friends identify somebody who seems relatively happy and serene and sort of switched on and just in, has their life as much as we, and we all project this light. I mean, you know, above the surface, we're all these graceful swans, aren't we? Just swanning through, like underneath, we're all paddling away, and it's all a bit of a charade. But find somebody who projects that image, seems to have everything in order, knows their knows their shit, as it were, and go up to them and say, "Listen, do you have a financial advisor? Would you mind just telling me about good or bad experiences?" I would do that. It's come back to my earlier point. If you just go online and look, it's really hard, isn't it? You get a barrage of generic websites. Most of them are rubbish. And you're thinking, I've got no idea. So just speak to your friends. Uh, they're definitely, uh, probably more than any other any other profession, to find a good financial advisor, go and speak to a good friend who's got their finances in order and say, have you got a financial advisor? If they have, it's probably someone who's, who's pretty decent. Uh, before we wrap up, maybe, um, Nick, you could tell our listeners um, how they could reach out to you and maybe give your podcast a bit of a shout as well. Reach out. Yeah, reach but it's out, American. Josh. If they, want a, the four tops. if they want a link. 
hook up. They can make contact with me via my Twitter profile at Hat Tip Nick, or just search Nick Lincoln Stroppy Advisor. I'm sure it'll be on the front page of Google. I've also got another podcast I'm in for, for the advisors listening in, which um, is the Real Advisor podcast. Uh, again, on Twitter as at Advisor Podcast. Thank you for asking, John. Okay, well, Nick Lincoln, thank you very much. And that's been me in for a penny podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Please remember, anything discussed in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice. But if you do need support, feel free to contact us on Twitter. You can reach me at Mark Schoffman and Josh at Josh Gersler. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Please leave us a review on your podcasting app. That helps people find us and lets us know you're enjoying what you hear. So thank you for being in for a penny. penny.